Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's a real honor to be sharing this special night with those of you here in the War Church Sanctuary, as well as those of you worshiping at home online. Welcome to you. Uh, it's been a tough year, and I think I said the exact same thing to you last Christmas Eve. COVID has behaved once more like the Grinch that tried to steal Christmas, but Christmas came just the same. A line that's been in my mind a lot this week is a line from one of my favorite Christmas songs, and the line is, a weary world rejoices. I think a lot of us can relate to that weary part right now. And I'm not talking about the normal kind of weariness that comes at this time of year from getting the house ready for guests and finding the perfect gift and uh, getting all the extra events on the calendar. Not that kind of weariness. I'm talking about a deeper kind of weariness that comes from continually wondering, am I going to get COVID? What happens when I do? The weariness of having to change plans and then change them again and change them again. The weariness of masks, the weariness of Zoom, the weariness of politics, the weariness of winter, which technically is only three days old. How could winter only be three days old? We're weary. There was a similar weariness on that first Christmas. Think of how exhausted Mary must have been. Weeks before her child is due, she's forced to, to ride 90 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey. She and Joseph just want to lay their heads down to rest, but there was no room for them in the inn. The town is crowded. Nobody is where they want to be on that night, and Mary's baby is born in the stench of an animal stable. And it's not just a weariness that came from the condition of Bethlehem, their weariness was due to the condition of the world. The whole reason they're in Bethlehem, remember, is because an arrogant emperor wanted to count his assets. And Caesar Augustus snaps his fingers in Rome and the whole world moves. It was a dark, oppressive time. How did they continue on? The thrill of hope. And tonight, I want to talk to, especially to those of you who are feeling weary right now, and I want to remind us all of the real hope of Christmas and why it is that a weary world can rejoice. Three reasons a weary world can rejoice, and the first one is that weariness can actually lead us to truth. Sociologists use this formula that says happiness equals reality minus expectations. Right? Happiness equals reality minus expectations. Expectations are everything. And the pain of these last two years is also the secret blessing of these last two years is that so many of the things that we put our hope in let us down, did not meet expectations. We put our hope in what sociologists call the myth of progress. Here in the United States, especially among middle-class people, there's this myth of progress, that everything will always be up and to the right, and we've learned not to expect any problems, and that myth proved itself a myth. We put our hope in politics to solve the problems of the human condition, but Washington is stuck. We put our hope in secular humanism to end injustice, especially racial injustice these last two years, but secular humanism cannot deliver on its promise. 
We put our hope in the church, but it turns out that we church people also are human and fragile. A lot of the weariness that you and I feel, a lot of the weariness we feel is because of the disappointment we've experienced repeatedly. But what if disappointment is a good thing? What if disappointment could be an emotional sign from our body that our hope has been set on the wrong object? Hope must have an object. There must be someone or something to attach it to. And what if disappointment comes with a gentle invitation from the Spirit to recenter our heart's desire? A synonym to disappointment is disillusionment, which we think of as a bad thing, but parse that out, disillusionment. Uh, to be disillusioned is to be disavowed of an illusion. It's to face reality, and that's not all bad. Remember, the enemy's specialty is illusion. So what if when we feel disillusionment, rather than asking, why has God let me down, what if we were to ask, where was I living in an illusion? Now, I wish it were as simple as saying to those of you who follow Jesus, put your hope in Jesus because Jesus will never let you down. But let's be honest, how many of you have ever felt in your lifetime disappointment with God? It's all about expectations. And isn't that why Jesus was rejected in the first century? That he did not meet people's expectations of him? They expected Jesus to marshal an army. They expected Jesus to kick out the Romans. They expected Jesus to lower taxes in the name of justice in an era where some scholars say the tax rates were as high as 80 or 90 percent and the people of Israel lived hand to mouth. Jesus did none of these things. And when Jesus doesn't meet the expectations you place on him, it leads to disappointment. This is why, friends, it's so important that we read the Bible for ourselves to understand who God is. Because absent of that, we will form our own assumptions and expectations that we thrust upon God, and then we will feel even that God has disappointed us. What we need then and now is what the Apostle Paul called in Romans 5, a hope that does not disappoint. A hope that does not disappoint. Why can a weary world rejoice? Well, secondly, Jesus will return to make all things new. When churches celebrate the season right before Christmas, in churches we call it Advent. Advent comes from a Latin word. Uh, ad is the Latin word for to, and vent is the Latin word for come. And at Christmas time, in Advent, we remember the coming of God through Jesus Christ. We remember that Jesus has come at Christmas, and we remember that Jesus will come again as he promised. And we get in touch with the felt experience of living in the in-between. You and I live between the two advents. Or to put it another way, Jesus has come at Christmas, Jesus will come again in the future, and Jesus comes to us now in the present. That's Advent. Now in our day, what often gets lost is that future part. The Bible is very clear that Jesus will one day come again and set this old world right. Revelation chapter 21 uh, says that Jesus is making all things new. It says there will be a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. Uh, it says Jesus will wipe away every tear from the eyes. 
It says there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And this isn't just in the book of Revelation and other of the spooky books of the Bible. The entire New Testament is saturated with the hope of Jesus' return. It's on nearly every page. Now, in recent years, pastors and writers have tried to emphasize that the kingdom of God isn't only in the future. It's also in the here and now. To interpret Jesus as talking only about the future is to miss all that's available in life with God here and now. Right? The kingdom of God is not something you have to wait for until you die. Jesus said the kingdom of God is fully accessible to ordinary men and women, and you can access it right now. I think it's helpful correction to remind uh, faith-filled people that God is with us today. However, we cannot ignore the future hope that brought so much joy and confidence to those early Christians. A lot of their hope was based on that future coming of Jesus. Jesus will come again. Our Advent hope is past, present, and future. As Paul put it, if our hope is only for this life, then we are among all people most to be pitied. Jesus has come at the first Christmas. Jesus will come again in the future and make all things right. And as we've already said, Jesus comes to each of us right in the midst of our weariness, right in the midst of our messy lives. This is another reason that weary, a weary world can rejoice is because Jesus is with us in our weariness. We have a word for this as well. The Bible says Jesus will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel is one of those terrific Hebrew words that takes more than one English word to do it justice. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Frederick Beekner once said of Emmanuel, he said, we must all decide for ourselves if it is true, not sentimentality or wishful thinking, but the wild hope of Christmas. The wild hope of Christmas, Emmanuel, and the wild hope of Christmas, Emmanuel, came to Mary and Joseph right in the middle of their weariness. Everything that could go wrong went wrong on that night. Their plans all went sideways, and Jesus showed up right in the center of that. And you know what that is? That's good news. Jesus shows up in the midst of it. That'd be good news on any night. It'd be good news on any Christmas Eve, but especially on this one, Christmas Eve 2021. God meets us right in the middle. Look at those lyrics of this song again. Uh, the song says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Now, pining is not a word we use very much today, but it means to long, to yearn. This old world is yearning till Jesus appeared and the soul felt its worth. It all makes sense now. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. This weary world can rejoice because God is with us. Weary or not, here I come, says God. There's no life too messy, no soul too weary, no doubt too deep for God. He will come right in the middle of your weariness, right in the middle of your mess. He is not afraid of messy lives or messy people. He is the God who is with us. 
for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Our hope isn't just yonder. Our hope is in today, and our work is in today. The song goes on. Truly, Jesus taught us to love one another. Anybody remember hearing something about that? That's what Jesus taught. His law is love. His gospel is peace. Yes, it is. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name, what? All oppression shall cease. This is about today. This is our work today. Another hymn talks about strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Right? Jesus came at Christmas, and, and he comes to us right now, and he will come again in the future. And our proper response is to fall on our knees. Fall on your knees maybe because you're weary. Fall on your knees maybe because you've been disappointed time and time again. Fall on your knees perhaps because there in the manger is the one true hope that does not disappoint. Our true hope is that God will set this world right when Jesus comes in the future and that God will set us right when God comes to us in our present. Over the course of this Advent season, our church has been praying and studying a little prayer made famous in recent years called the Serenity Prayer. It's a great prayer to pray at the start of the year, and I wonder if you would say aloud the first three lines of this prayer with me tonight. The prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Wow. We looked at how Mary modeled that first line so well. She accepted with serenity the path that God had chosen for her. And anybody who accepts the path that God chooses for them will discover that it also means accepting a host of things that are outside of your control. And for some of you, this is your fall on the knees prayer this Christmas night. Oh God, give me the serenity to accept those people, those circumstances, those situations that are outside of my control. Help me to let go of the things that I need to let go of. Maybe that's your prayer. Then we looked at the courage of Joseph who took Mary home to be his wife, who listened to God, who fled to Egypt when an angel told him to, who returned, who protected and labored and loved. He just kept doing what God asked him to do. God, grant me courage. And for some of you, this is your fall on your knees prayer tonight. There is something that you know you're supposed to do. You know God wants you to do it, and fear has held you back, and your prayer is, God, grant me courage. And then we looked at the story of the wise men and how their wisdom, their research, and their study led them to Jesus. And I think all of us are praying for wisdom long about now. God, grant me wisdom to navigate the complexities of our world. God, grant me wisdom to seek you, to recognize you. Friends, tonight is a holy night. It was a holy night 2,000 years ago. It is a holy night right now. It is a night when people bow their knee, weary as they may be, and welcome Jesus. 
I'm going to invite our musicians back out as we light the final candle on the Advent wreath. In just a moment, we're all going to light candles. If you're at home, uh, you'll, you'll wanna, you may want to find a candle so you can join us for this very special candle lighting at the end of today's service. But friends, the Advent countdown is over. The waiting has ended. Jesus has come into our world. Jesus will come again as he promised. And Jesus comes to anyone who will receive him. Let a weary world rejoice. Will you stand to your feet and pray with me? God, we have come tonight weary yet expectant. Come, Lord Jesus. Come into our lives, into our families, even into our pain, into our fatigue, into our worry. We disavow the illusions we have held and step into reality. Help us to see, God. There is but one hope that will not disappoint, and we stand in his presence right now on holy ground. This we pray on this Christmas Eve, on this night divine, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody said together, amen. amen.